This episode of Hockey Press Pass is presented in part by the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village. Unplug your game. Buy board games. Play board games. Food and drink. Fun. And friends. Billy Jaffe, who are your three all-time favorite hockey players? Well, uh, I grew up in Chicago, but I grew up an enormous Boston Bruins fan. I'll start, though, with number three, and it is a former Chicago Blackhawk. And I had a tie for three, but I had to pick one, so I'll take Dennis Savard. Dennis Savard was, you know, savoir faire is everywhere, and the spinorama and as a kid, you know, he was a bit older, obviously. And so at that time, a bit older is a lot older. And I would go to the Chicago Stadium and watch him and be in awe of Denny Savard and doing everything that he could do. Side note, I almost said Al Secord is my third because he could beat the snot on anybody too. But uh, I, Denny Savard, loved him, loved him. Okay. My number two all-time favorite player, Cam Neely of the Boston Bruins. Um, two reasons. One because he was the second number eight and eight was my number as a kid. And he was a right shot, right wing. And because that's what I was, I was a right shot. I played center a bit, but then I was a right wing. And because the Bruins were my favorite team, Cam Neely was, and again, another guy that was big, strong, tough, mean, could beat you with his shot, beat you with his fist. And lastly, seriously, my all time favorite player, uh, when I was definitely a real kid and was the original number eight to me, was Peter McNabb and I still get giddy when I see Pete and I haven't seen Peter in a couple of years and but um, I'll never forget the first time I met him when I was doing an NHL game um, with the Atlanta Thrashers and I told him look I'm just you, you're my favorite all-time player and he was awesome about it so he was uh, he was my favorite player he was actually my Nana's favorite player too at the time in Boston she lived in Boston and uh, another big strong guy he didn't beat you up much but he could score a ton. And in that era, he probably didn't get all the recognition that he deserved. But I love, I still love Maxie, Peter McNabb. Yeah, oh, that's great choices. I, and I learned a lot just in that first answer. Welcome to Hockey Press Pass, presented by Instat Hockey. I'm so happy to have on the show Billy Jaffe, in my opinion, one of the best analysts in hockey and in sport in the U.S. Billy is seen regularly on on Nesson, on Bruins Broadcast, and on the NHL Network, and is the co-host with Andrew Raycroft of the very popular podcast, Morning Brew with Jaffe and Razor. He was an analyst on radio and TV for six years for the dearly departed Atlanta Thrashers, <laughs> and during his celebrated run as commentator on Islanders Telecast, won an Emmy Award as the top sports analyst on live events in New York. And, you know, New York's a pretty big town with a lot of, a lot of TV, a lot of games on TV. So that was quite the achievement, my friends. Great to see you. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, it's, um, it's awesome. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those moments I think that you, you chuckle about internally, like you and me, bot sitting down doing this, right? You're like, oh my God, what's happened in the hockey world, right? I mean, for both of us, it's listen. It's great. Um, these conversations, especially with people that you know and that you trust, are awesome. I mean, I say that because uh, you know there's a lot of these shows out there that you don't know what you're getting into. But here, you know, I, I, I've seen or listened, I should say, to your stuff. You know what you're getting into. You're getting a great conversation, and it's just good to talk with an old buddy too. Uh, I appreciate that. I mean, it's a lot, Billy. I didn't know. Maybe I forgot, but I didn't know that you were a Bruins fan. I knew where you grew up, and now the Nana uh, makes sense. Is that, <laughs> that what it was? Was it a family thing? Yeah. Um, the, the very. I have a lot of long story shorts, and I promise you I won't go on the long one. Grew up um, in Chicago, born and bred in Chicago. and um, But my mother, my maternal side was from Boston, and in particular from a town right next to the city. You're going to know this town very well because of a former Islander. Winthrop, Massachusetts. So Winthrop is where Boston Logan Airport is, basically. My mom grew up there. My Nana, who was a devout Celtic, Red Sox, Patriot, but also big-time Bruin fan, 
um, she was a huge influence in me. And I just, I loved her so much. And I, I, every weekend it was, you know, remember the days where you would only make long distance calls on Sundays because they were cheaper, but that's how old we are. Uh, and I would call, we would call her and I would talk to her. And when it was my turn, I'd get my 20 minutes to talk to her. And it was all about sports, 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 sport, and predominantly the Bruins, because I started playing hockey at about four, three, four years old, basically. And as much as I enjoy, I really did like the Hawks. I loved the Bruins because of her. Oh, that's great. And listen, life took you to Boston, and we'll get to that uh, later on. But, you know, what has it been like for you now, you know, working on Bruins telecasts, uh, involved in hockey development, coaching clinics, raising a family? I mean, it, are you enjoying yourself? Like, you know, you are where it turns out your favorite team was. <laughs> we, I, I understand we don't move to where our favorite teams are necessarily. But, Not in um, this business. No, no. no. <laughs> But, but how, how, how has life been, especially for the, the folks uh, not in Boston, like your Islander fans, uh, who, haven't, who don't see you as regularly? Yeah, it's been, um, look, it's, it's wonderful. I know Boston has a uh, very, New York and Boston in particular have a, I don't want to say contrasting style because they're really not. They're both very secure places and very certain that their location is the greatest sports area in the mar- in the world. I mean, um, but I love Boston. I've been coming here since it, young child. I'm very comfortable here. Uh, I was very comfortable on the island too, but you know, here in Boston, having some extended family, but just having a lot of history, Chris, really made it easy for me uh, coming here. And when we decided to move here full time, um, do enjoy raising a family here. Really love, love the sports market. I do. You know, we can, you know, Boston sports fans, especially since the year 2000, do not know what it's like to struggle. They do not know what it's like to have a bad team, really. And um, it's been phenomenal being here. And if you take, you know, the the, the irony is, you know, I, I came here full time or started, I should say full time. I started working with the Bruins and Nesson after the year after the season after the Bruins won the cup. And so I actually covered that cup for NHL Network. I was with the Bruins all the way. and It was a ton of fun. Um, but you know, you don't have as much of a rooting interest then Chris, because you're a professional and you're, you're working and, but you know, deep down inside, you're like, this is pretty freaking cool that the Bruins won it. And I'm on the ice with them. It's pretty cool, but I know my role, etc. But then to come here the following season. Yeah. There were some kind of pinch me moments like, okay, you know what? But on the other hand too, but a lot of pressure. Because I was coming in as a newbie to them, even though I'd been at the NHL Network and other places. And I really wanted to make sure, and I've always had this chip on my shoulder, not having played in the NHL, to make sure that I came in and respected the right way, treated them and the city the right way. And I do. I do enjoy living here. Outside of the cost of living, which I I think New York could argue about too, um, I would say it's a fantastic place to live. That's great. When, When you're doing your broadcast, your studio work, Let's talk about that, not the podcast, or whether it was an Islander game or a Thrasher game. What is it? Because I I have to believe whether you consciously did or not, you developed a a kind of style. Like, did you start saying to yourself, this is what I feel like the audience could use. This is what I feel like I could bring as a former player, not an NHL player. We get that. But you, you do bring something distinctive that I know the fans love. But what is it from your perspective? Um, I learned when I started bots with uh, the Chicago Wolves that for a long time after the Blackhawks just stunk and became an afterthought in the city and almost they didn't get wiped off the face of the sports map, but it was close for a while where they were they were bad. And I, that's where I fell into broadcasting with the Hawks. And I'll, I'll always be grateful to them but they weren't good for some years, but I then started doing Chicago Wolves games. I was given an opportunity. What a phenomenal uh, organization, really Don Levin, who owns it, just an amazing owner. Um, but there was a, a, a VP there. Wayne Mesmer was his name, is his name. Wayne used to sing the Chicago, the uh, anthem at Chicago stadium. It was breathtaking, amazing, scintillating, like spine tingling before Jim Cornelius did it, you know, took over. Anyhow, one day uh, when I, I was in my, infancy of being a broadcaster and he said hey you know what i really like what you guys are doing i'm working with uh, at the time with judd surratt who coincidentally now is the radio voice of the bruins and a dear friend of mine that i went to college with in michigan okay connect all the, the dots but anyway 
And I said, oh, thank you. What, you know, what do you like? And he said, you know what I like? He says, I, I like it. You guys, it feels like you're sitting at a bar talking with me about hockey, what's going on. Like you're bringing me into your conversation. Now, at that time, I was, I remember how old I was, early, I mean, 30, 32, whatever. But I just started broadcasting a couple of years. Like, you know, okay, I think I know what I'm doing. Really, I don't know, you know, shit about what I'm doing. And he said, it's just, it's great because I just feel like I'm there. And you know what? You're teaching me enough and you're making it feel like I'm part of you guys. Chat. I said, okay, I didn't realize that. Now, that's something you only get with time. I've always been a person who loves talking. You'll, you know that, and the listeners will get that in this hour we're together. But I also have always been the kind of person I like people. Um, if I, if I trust you and I, and I'm, I, I, and I, and, and I, I want to make it feel like you feel good. I've always been like that too, or at least I've tried to be. And, um, you know, hockey's not that complicated. It really isn't. And in fact, a lot of times I think of, I say, geez, what I'm talking about is pretty rudimentary stuff. But yet I think at least I, I kept saying to myself, tell the people not what you see, tell you, you know, what, don't tell them what's happening. Tell them why it's happening. Tell me. Tell me, you know, okay, you know that was a great shot, but how did that great shot happen? It happened because of 18 seconds ago, somebody took a hit to make the play. And again, I know that sounds basic to you because you've been through this in your, through your career, but that's what I learned is that don't tell me what, tell me why, and make it in a way that allows you to have, a, see, I believe you're having three conversations as a broadcaster. You're having a conversation um, with your partner, on-air partner. On TV, you're having a conversation with your producer as well. And then lastly, you're having a conversation with the audience. And so, you know, you say, okay, you have to be able to listen to what your partner's saying and react to it. You have to be able to have a conversation with your producer so you can say, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. What do you got? And, and be able to do that. But then most importantly, you have a conversation with the audience to where you're saying, if, even if you're not responding to me, you, they can sit there and say, holy smokes, I, I, yeah, I did see that, or I didn't realize that, or yeah, I got that too, that type of thing. That's how I believe it. So that's my style. Nothing that I thought about except after I had that conversation about bringing people in like you're having a legit conversation at a bar watching a game. Just as that worked really well for the Islanders, especially in rebuilding years, it had to work nicely in Atlanta with a new team. Uh, when you think back on your time with the Thrashers, you know, what were, you know, is there a highlight or what, what makes you, uh, yeah, what's some of like the special things that came out of your time? Well, first of all, that was my first NHL job. Um, and that came upon crazily, just like my Islander job came upon not so at the end of the summer, like not even summer, it was fall. And I get a call to go down there. And I literally looked at my phone in the old days, it was the early days of cell phones. And I looked at it, it was Derek Schiller, executive of the team. And I said, and I almost hung up. I'm like, yeah. And then I, but I answered and I was literally about, I was, I was about to sign a check, an escrow check for a uh, deposit on a building. I was looking at a condo in Chicago when the phone rang, I'm like 404. I don't even know where 404 is. And I answer and he tells me, blah, blah, blah. I would love to have you come down. I said, and then verbatim, I said this, I said, are you serious? Like, are you, if you're really serious, I'll, 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 I'll do it. And he says, I wouldn't be calling you if I wasn't serious. So I go, okay. So I go down there. That's what I like. First NHL job um, to, I mean, being with uh, uh, some really good people. I mean, you know, Darren Elliott, Matt McConnell, broadcaster, learning from, from Darren in particular, you know, a wonderful person, Matt too, awesome person, but learning from him, learning TV from the, at the time, remember it was affiliated with Turner sports for a while and you know we had production from turner sports so we might have been a crappy team but between tv and radio and i did both for them i did pre-intermission post tv and in-game radio analyst we had a good broadcast like down there you don't, you don't realize it at the time but they had some really good production people that were helping out um you know uh getting to be around i would say it was i got there in my expanse a second year of the team but getting to be around and to see how a team was built or is trying to be built, maybe not built that well for a while, uh, getting to meet guys like Ray Ferraro down there at the time, Scott Mellenby, um, 
the team, ironically enough, made the playoffs the year I left to go to the Mighty Isles that year. And I got a lot of crap from my buddies. Like, yeah, you were the problem. That's why we didn't make it. Um, you know, uh, look, uh, some big wins. The, the team started the inch getting better. And we would have big wins at Phillips Arena. And and I can't tell you there's any one. I, mean, I remember a Tampa Bay game that was nutso. And I remember, a, a, oh, I think at the time, Buffalo game. They were really good at the time, not like the Sabres now. And when I say there's not many simple, singular moments because the team wasn't great. It, it, it just wasn't great. But a lot of events, like I'll tell you what, expanding the um, the post-game show on radio, I was instrumental in helping to do that with my partner, but getting a sponsor for that, little things like that were a, an important part of my career because it helped teach me a lot of different things. It, again, I was still a neophyte, didn't know much about We've got more Billy Jaffe coming up next on Hockey Press Pass. Hey guys, it's producer Pat, and I want to tell you about Instat Hockey. Instat Hockey offers the largest statistical data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Trusted by coaches, scouts, players, and of course, media personnel at every level of the game, there is no better choice than Instat to help in the evaluation of games and individual players. The Instat Hockey platform saves the user hours of time watching game film. Team and player statistics are pre-cut into separate playlists, including players' individual shifts and all video clips can be edited, shared, and downloaded by the user. Visit instatsport.com hockey today for more info. Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and games for play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Their staff will help you find the right board game for you. From card and party games to games for families to strategy games, we have it all. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for groups to join? Our Magic, The Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, or Warhammer communities are welcoming for all. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainStreetBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. You talked about things changing quickly and surprisingly you know joe micheletti gets offered the ranger job yep right that's and uh to be really clear joe happens to be one of the nicest fellows around uh, awesome you know because he's not connected to the islanders especially because he's not connected to the islanders is from rounder everybody in the business can understand why he would make that move uh, from the islanders to the rangers uh, it's uh, and this is when JD left. That's the that's the, the right. That's that's the, the key thing. A, a legend of, left. So how? What do you remember? And this isn't a trick question, by the way. I know uh, some things, but what do you remember about how you wind up getting the job as the color commentator on Islander Telecast? I'll never forget it. I get a call. I believe the date was August twenty third, um, two thousand and six. It's okay. So before the season and I'm at a golf course in Alabama with my good buddies, with my Atlanta thrash guys, you know, you go down to Alabama to the Robert Trent Jones courses to play. And I get a phone call from my dear friend and guy who's my agent, Maury. And, um, every agent should be named Maury. It just, it just works perfectly. And he's a fantastic guy. He says, uh, you're never going to believe this. So, oh, what's up, buddy? I'm literally, I'm, I'm in the golf cart about to go to the like clubhouse first tee or whatever. Yeah, I just got a call from, uh, you sitting there, he actually said this, you never believe this. He said, oh, what's up, buddy? He said, you, you sitting down? I said, okay, now you got me thinking, what's up? And he said, just got off the phone with uh, Lori Orlando. Lori Orlando was at MSG Network at the time, but before that, she had been the executive in charge at CSTV, College Sports Television that um, hired me for their lead NHL, uh, lead NCAA hockey analyst. So I did all the big games, college games that CSTV did. She had moved on to uh, MSG Network. And so Maury says, yeah, Lori is interested in bringing you in as uh, an analyst for them. I said, where? And she sa he said, maybe the Rangers. He said that. He said, maybe the Rangers or... Because at the time, Joe, I guess, hadn't had, hadn't gotten the job yet, you know. But 
or the the Islanders. And and I don't I, I, this part I don't remember verbatim. All I know is is that within a day it's oh it's the Islanders. It's the Islanders. I said yeah okay. What's the what's the what's the deal? He goes well. Uh, eventually it comes out JD's leaving. Joe Micheletti is going to be going over to the Rangers, and she'd like to bring you in for the Islanders. I said, uh, okay, when, like now, you know, I, I said, okay, I, I said, uh, all right, now I got to, you know, I, everything's in motion. I, I play a shitty round of golf because I'm thinking all, you know, that day. And then, and it was, I think it was like a day or two later. It was like, it's Islanders. They, they're, they're serious. They have to talk to the Islanders organization, though. meaning they've really got to get their, you know, really, they have, they're in charge of getting candidates. And then they have to clear everything. Well, okay, you know the story now. One thing leads to another to another. And it's now a week or two later. I'm a serious candidate for the gig. And um, Charles Wong is either out of the country or about to go on safari to Africa. And I said, okay, well, the Atlanta Thrashers have given me permission to consider this but I don't have an infinite amount of time. I've got a very small window. Throw into the mix, too, that my wife and I, Victoria, have an annual trip that time of year because at the time we had no children. So we would take a holiday and Labor Day because it was the best time the week after Labor Day. Everything was quiet, and we were going over to Europe, over to Spain. And, uh, okay, well, it continues to be one thing leading to another, and there's no answer. And Charles out of the country, and so and so is here, and I'm. And next thing you know, I'm like, I, you know, I don't know if this is going to happen, Chris, because it's taking forever. And the Thrashers are saying, um, you know, Billy, it's about we're going to have you're going to have to make a decision. They were glorious about it. Bernie Mullen is his name. He was wonderful about this. And um, he said, but listen, we're going to give you another few days, but then it's going to be, it's going to have to. I said, I get it. Thank you. I understand that. Finally, I think it was September, um, I'm going to say it was September or like 8th or something like that. I'm on the beach of, of uh, Malaga or Mallorca. I don't remember where we were. I'm going to like an internet cafe in this little town, you know, and um, signing an agreement finally because I kept calling Maury. I'm like, what's going on? Finally, it got approved. Charles had gotten back in town. The Islanders agreed to allow me to become their next TV analyst, and that was it. Amazing. You know, I, you, when you said the words Charles and Safari, I had a flashback. Because <laughs> I, a lot of times on the show, it kind of becomes like story time for me where, where I'll answer fans' questions and I'll tell them. But, in, you know, keep in mind, so add that to the summer of 2006 because that's the summer – that uh, Mike had stepped down or, you know, right. You know, Charles said, I'm going to give you a big boy position named president of Mike Milbury, uh, Neil, 40 days, Ted <laughs> Fontaine, Ted Nolan, uh, this idea of all these coaches and different things going on. So, and then we end the summer with that. And that is true. I, it almost sounds like something somebody would have made up like Charles, <laughs> on a safari. Charles Wong was on a safari. So, so wait, one here, add this to the mix too. I don't know whose idea this was. You'll remember this too. Oh no. No, it's not a bad thing. The Islanders are all of a sudden deciding to go to, was it Yarmouth, Nova Scotia for their training camp. So I literally fly home. I believe it was September 9th or something like that. And they have a flight for me to go the next day because they wanted, they and MSG wanted me to go with the team to, cover a training camp in Nova Scotia, right? And it was like the whole Digby scallops. I, I'm a foodie. So I remember, I, it wasn't, it was Yarmouth, right? This little yeah, tiny we, town. We had, we had an unbelievable uh, time. They, we right. were like the only people in town and they treated us like gold. <laughs> and we were on a, a, boat, a fishing boat one time. Yeah, but I, I fly home, Chris, from Europe. I get home late afternoon. I'm going to say it was like, again, the 9th or the 10th, whatever day it was. And the next evening, I have a flight from Atlanta to New York to get into LaGuardia and then go to the island and then get ready for the next day to fly from Farmingdale to Yarmouth with the team. Well, I get in. Welcome to welcome to your job. I get into the island 
and you know it's a late flight it's delayed and i go over to the uh it was the garden city hotel uh no sir we don't have a room for you here i'm like what the what <laughs> i'm like what are you talking about uh, here's my itinerary the old days of printing out an itinerary and uh sir no we don't have a room you're late we don't have a room for you i'm like what I shuffle around They're like, well, you can maybe go. There's a holiday Inn express or something like that on in Westbury. And if that wasn't just kind of, I mean, I, I laugh now in, in hindsight, I get in, I spent I, at the time, I have no idea where I am. I, I was at that Roosevelt mall, I think right there, right? There's an old holiday Inn that was anything but two star, if not even just a one star. And I said, welcome to the NHL. Another flashback. I, now I remember you calling me and saying, but there isn't a room for me yet. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I also thought that it, it, maybe that was the beginning of your love affair with Thomas's uh, ham and egg crayon. Well, it should have been. I didn't go to Thomas's for about a year, but then I was a regular every Sunday visit uh, visitor to Thomas's. Good, good, good spot. Go visit them. Nice. Welcome to the Islanders. You know, uh, five seasons or so, you and Howie, and talk to Howie about this, like, a, a a bro affair like oh the best the best like so you know this is a business and listen there's a lot of great friends in the business i'm not trying to put this down this is a business where sometimes you know you see too much of each other and you leave it for the air yep you guys have a genuine and had i assume early on uh, but i'd like to ask you about that a uh, chemistry and closeness did it did you hit it off early we did I don't know if you remember this though. My first four games on the road were not with Howie; they were with Jigs. I had Jigsy, and as a, I mean, you want to talk about another unbelievable moment in my career. And the reason I'm bringing this up when you're asking about Howie is because the two of those guys are so. Look, they're awesome. They're at what they do some of the best ever in their field yet neither of them with me ever said who the hell are you and what are you and i didn't have the nhl background and i told you you know i always have a chip on my shoulder because of that i have to work harder i've got to be more prepared i can't let myself down or my my family down or the team that hired me down i or the network that did i have that inner thing i fully admit i've admitted it before it's not like you know Great surprise, I'm telling you there. But to come in and work with Jigs and to see how selfless he was and how amazing he was to me, a legend. And then to come in and Howie, who had already talked to me, and then to have Howie just be like, I got a good show. It was great with him. Yeah, you know, all oh, the Mets, you know, and he's just talking. The next thing you know, it was, it was like, um, you know, we were just, I mean, we're very similar and incredibly different, Howie and I. You know, I mean, it's not the odd couple, but, you know, Howie's a bit of a kook, and I with the most love, affection, I can say. One of the most unique people I've ever met, and so am I. I mean, I'm a type A whatever, you know? And I, I couldn't have asked for a more perfect on-air partner and off-air companion to hang with in my time with the Islanders. There were times where he would make me laugh so hard during a game where I would hit my cough switch umpteen times. And I had tears coming out of my eyes. I'm laughing my ass off so much. And he'd be doing it too. And I couldn't look at him and I'm turning away from him. And, um, and, and let me just say this as well. And this is important to me too. The people that, um, besides Howie, the whole group that first few years, Kevin Meininger, Larry Roth, uh, Charlie Kuchara, um, Pete McElvey. Who, who else? I'm, if I'm forgetting somebody, I'm talking the guys in the truck. the core four, yeah, who traveled. Were amazing. And Howie was amazing, is amazing. Howie is the best. He is an, he's a better human than he is broadcaster, and, and he's pretty fantastic there. Uh, he has taught me, when I worked with him, he taught me so much. But the genuine affection, I think, for each other was mutual respect for, for I mean, his, he is so smooth on the air. So smooth. He could be having, he, he always, I've never been with anybody who'd be telling play-by-play play 
into a story, back to play-by-play, pick up the story, go back to play-by-play in a goal, and then come back and put a bow on it 20 seconds later, and it didn't seem clunky. I'm like, how did you just do that? And Howie would regularly um, give me what I needed as an analyst, which was room, you know, time to speak, but not only that, but just like really good questions too, really good conversation. And lastly, the real, I think, affection besides mutual respect for each other is we shared a similar sense of humor. I don't know if that's a sense of humor. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing called it, but I mean, we just laughed. He made me laugh my ass off. I feel like he enjoyed, you know, my sense of humor. We both love going out on the road. Seriously, especially in those years when the Islanders were anything but scintillating on the ice. You spend a lot of time together. You better go out and enjoy it. And as he would always say, let's go chew and get some red wine. Or he would call it grape juice, you know. And and we just had the, the he's just the best. He's absolute best. He will always have an important place in my and in my heart is friendship and in my career as a broadcaster. And he, he always fell for, uh, I don't think you were always the ringleader. This might have been manager. Uh, I would get a call or, or message or however we did it. And it would be like, hey, uh, we want Howie to think we're not leaving Detroit tonight. The flight canceled. <laughs> <laughs> and that at least once a year. Uh, and he fell for it every time. No, no, we can't. We can't. You know, <laughs> you knew our pilot. He was. He was getting us home. Oh yeah. Okay. No. He. Uh, he. Um. How he. He worked so much. Uh, I mean, between the Mets and the Isles, and you know, he he was. And I don't blame him. You know, I mean, he was to the point where he's like, ah, oh, you know, I just I just want to be home more. And and uh, he just he, and and we did have. Oh my God, did we have? We had memory. It, I don't know if he told you the story, and I'm not going to get into it totally here, but. We had a dinner in Chicago at a place, one of my favorite restaurants there called La Scarola. It ended up being, I set it up and, um, and uh, it was the entire, it was 99.9% of the crew who went. And it was a table of about 12 or 14 bots. And it was as close to a gong show as we've had in a good way. And it's still Steve Mears. Steve Mears still says, probably the best night I've ever had on the road as a broadcaster in the NHL. It was just, it was one of those, those nights that you just said, we're going to go great meal, good time, have a little bit of wine. And it turns into four hours of complete laugh fest where your abdomen is sore from laughing so hard. You got, if you're in Chicago, go to La Scarola, ask for Armando and tell him Billy, the hockey guy sent you or Howie from the Mets and he'll have the greatest time in the world. See that, everybody? Which there's going to be listeners who are just going to be doing this. Um, on the air, in the games. That first season, Teddy Nolan had him playing hard. Yep. He added Ryan Smith. The Islanders added uh, Ryan Smith. Um, you know, for the time that you did the games on the Islanders, what were your favorite, what was your favorite moment or what's your greatest takeaway about the hockey team? Well, two different things. I mean, favorite moment, one of, I mean, up there is no question is the way Dublowitz lightsaber uh, uh, save in uh, the end of the this 06, the Teddy's first season, right? 06, 07 season. Um, I, I really stink with numbers. I think the Honors won their last four games of the season. I know this. We had come, I remember this, Chris. We came home from Philly. And we had a game, the team had a game in Jersey at the old, uh, whatever it was called, the Continental Arena, I think, or Airlines Arena. Not only did they need to win their win out, but they also needed a whole bunch of other things to happen. To make in particular, up. absolutely, that's where I'm going. In particular, they needed Montreal to beat Toronto. And I remember, because at that time, again, we had a game, an afternoon game, mind you. We had an afternoon game in Philly at an afternoon game in Jersey. And so I just said to the network, I was living, uh, my wife at the time, the first year I was with the Islanders, Vic didn't move with me there. Uh, she had a job, a career, et cetera, stayed in Atlanta. Long story short, I stay, I move out to the island. And so instead of going all the way back to where I was in Point Lookout, I said to the network, and I did this maybe two or three times when that, when, you, when the Rangers, uh, Isles played the Rangers, 
I'd stay in the city. I'd be like, you know, do you, like, yeah, no problem. MSU was great to me. Phenomenal. They're like, yeah, go stay in the city. No big deal. So after that Philly game, I come back and instead of going to the Island, the team's all in Jersey. I say, I'm going to stay in the city instead of, I mean, I got nothing going on. I'm going to go hang out in the city. And they said, yeah, no problem. And I go to a bar and I'm with a buddy and I'm watching Montreal, Toronto. And that was a crazy, crazy, crazy six to five game. And the irony of it is that now Andrew Raycroft, who's a dear friend of mine and my buddy with Morning Brew with Jaffe and Razor, was playing goal for Toronto at the time. And Montreal wins 6-5. He has, uh, that was a tough game for him um, there. And if I have the score wrong, um, please forgive me. But I'm almost 90, 100% sure of that. Anyway, um, and so all of a sudden, everybody comes into the game you know, a foot taller on Sunday and brimming with, I'd say confidence, but mostly hope, opportunity. And Wade Dublowitz, who only played, I'm going to say maybe 10 games that year, maybe. He's in net, you know. I mean, little Yoda in net in that game. And lo and behold, after they after the Devils tie the game up with one second left, and I had that famous, at least, not that famous. I chung and cheek uh, moan on the air of no oh, when when they scored, um, and then the Islanders went in the shootout. I believe it. I believe it was Sergey Breland that he stopped. I believe yeah. with the last shot. Um, it was kind of euphoric because you know you're you know you're you're seeing a team that you didn't think really had much of a chance. They started winning, and then. We had always heard about Teddy Nolan and his ability to get the most out of his players. That was his specialty. The most out of his players. Not an X and O guy. The most out of his players. Well, he did. So that was great. That's a, a phenomenal one-game type moment there. The ensuing playoffs after that weren't so good. The Isles lost in five. They did win the second game. And we all kind of thought, yeah, maybe. And then, no, Buffalo, again, was good at that time. Um, and other thing, what did I, I mean... I mean, that was, the, the, I guess, seminal moment of the uh, of my hockey, on-air hockey experience. We had a lot of other fun games. Um, there were some big nights. Geez, I'm, I'm blanking right now. Somebody had four goals one night. Oh, I should remember this. Kavasha? Uh, it may, uh, yes. Uh, 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 Kozla. In the yes. Yeah, 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 Victor. I'm bad with my errors, so <laughs> I, I could be off by 20 years. But, but Victor, no, Victor. Victor Kozla. Victor did. We were. I was sitting with the Islander people. Like Harry, we were looking at each other. Like, what is going on here? You know, right. It looked like Mario Lemieux for one night. Yeah, exactly right. It was cause and and uh, good dude, really yeah. good dude. Um, you know, I, I would say you know, but those, but um, the other part. I mean, the takeaway from the team was an interesting four years. It was a very interesting um, time there, and it. I mean, I don't tumultuous. I think, well, no, it was probably more tumultuous this offseason, as you already brought up, before I came in. They had experienced a lot of tumult there. Um, and then it kind of settled a bit, I thought. Uh, at least it did for me for a bit. Uh, for your for now, your time on Long Island, Point Lookout, uh, the fans, uh, when you look back on it and you're still fondly remembered, it was so great for me i hope you were able to enjoy it although i know you you, you tend to you, you, everybody comes into the games and leaves but you were at the coliseum for some of those final games for your work your yeah. off work um but just your experience and, and victoria's as well uh in terms of what that time on the island meant to you you know just as as, as folks very important very very important place um uh developed a uh, rapport with the fans i'll never forget this one fan I thought this really epitomized and it, it, my experience there after the first year. I used to go over to uh, the, the Marriott at times, again, because I was, uh, for a while, it was just me. And even in the second year when Victoria was there, we lived close and, and, and buddies went over there. And so I enjoyed going. It was Champions, if I remember correctly. It may have changed the Champions name. Champions at the Marriott, yeah. Yeah. And um, one guy the second year um, – said Jaffe you know I was always called Jeff you know nobody calls me Bill hey Jeff you know he goes hey you know what and I think he had a couple in him and this was great I mean yeah you know what love you man great stuff I couldn't stand you last year I had no idea who the hell you were who you know who is this guy and everything but love you buddy and I'm like well you know what 
I've told other young broadcasters it's a three-year process, especially for guys that haven't played in the league. The first year is who the F are you? You know, who are you to be on my ear, right? The second year, yeah, he's okay. The third year is like, I like the guy. He's one of us now. I mean, that's what it is. And, and I try to accelerate that um, with my passion for the game. Um, I look at being a broadcaster and uh, as no different, you know, look, as a player, you don't choose your team per se. You get drafted, right? Or free agency. And so there's players that go to eight different, Mike Sillinger, 11 different teams in his career. And I love Silly. He was one of the great guys. Silly and Billy Guerin and Brian Smith and Dougie Wade, all those guys. Dwayne Rollison, loved them, loved them. Andy Sutton, Freddie Meyer, love all those guys. But they go to all these different teams and they play their asses off for them. So what's different than being a broadcaster? Like what's different? You go, you, you, you respect who, who's employing you and, and you, and you work for them. And I mean, for them, I mean, I didn't work directly for the Owls. I worked with them, but they were my team. And so I'm putting 150% into it. And so from a professional standpoint, very important to me, but from a personal standpoint, not only were the fans phenomenal, but my family was grown there. And, you know, Victoria moved up the second year right after she moved up, um, Two months later, our daughter was born, Julia. I'll never forget how kind you were, in particular. You sent flowers. You had a, a wonderful um, note, a huge bouquet sent to the hospital. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, this is so nice. You never, I don't think you met Victoria. Maybe you did twice or something. And uh, the Islanders were great, led by you. And then they had a nice, beautiful thing on TV. Again, the production staff did it. And it, it felt home. You know, it felt great. And uh, eventually, um, eventually, our son Jake was born there too, um, and and in, in 2010. And um, it's a Long Island, and the island and the Islanders have a very important place in my heart and in my life, from both professionally and personally. And and we did enjoy it, and we enjoyed it more and more. You know, like anywhere else, Chris, you've always been on Long Island. I've moved around a lot now. When you finally make that that um, there's a distinct decision, at least maybe there is for me, to allow it to be home. There's a difference between living there and calling it home. And 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 I lived in certain places, right? And if, if near the actually the irony is near the end of my time on the island, it really started to feel like home. But then it then it didn't, I guess. Then it was time to move on. No, I appreciate everything you said. I know the people here love to hear that. Uh, when you get to, as I was, no matter what role, ticket sales, PR, um, equipment manager, when you're when you're blessed to uh, live the dream of working for a major league sports team, as I did, right? There's always questions you're asked, right? So for me, it was, well, did you get to meet the dynasty guys? What was Mike Milbury like to work with? Um, did you did John Spano really think that he could <laughs> buy a team? Um, you know, on and on, right? There's a lot of things. But in the top five, and you might not know this, although I know you hear from fans, but without a doubt in the top five, as much as questions about dynasty players and incredible front page things that happen or whatever, I am asked what happened with Billy Jaffe and why was he no, I believe your contract technically wasn't renewed. Yep. But here's the thing. And I've said something on Twitter recently, I think just in the replies, but it's your life. It's your story. So I would ask you, you know, what is your understanding or what happened in from what you know? All I know is I was in Vancouver for versus doing a playoff game. It started there, got a call again from Maury, and um, I had already agreed upon a contract with MSG, the three-year deal, read upon terms, and um, thought things were good. Nothing's ever perfect. The Islanders weren't great again uh, that year. Um, and when I say nothing's ever perfect, meaning, you know, there's – I, I'm, I think I'm pretty honest in my assessment on the air about things and I'm a pretty direct person and um, maybe somebody didn't like it. I don't, I don't know, but all I, I, I had never been told by anybody there until I was told via my agent who was told via MSG network executive 
at the time it was Dan Ronane was his name. You remember Dan there? Um, that the Islanders didn't want to renew, have my contract renewed. I said, okay, why? And they said, they didn't tell us. They just didn't want to. And I said, okay. And I said this to Maury. And then I actually had a meeting the next day with on a, a conference call with two or three executives and the production people and everything. I said, tell me what they said. This, okay, I mean, look, you know, I'm, 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 I'm devastated. I'm in Vancouver, first of all. Okay. Uh, so I'm all the way literally across the country, the, the continent. Um, second of all, I just had our, our, uh, our son born a month earlier, not even two weeks earlier, two weeks earlier. So life is crazy good and all over the place. And then I'm told, okay, your contract's not going to be renewed and you're, you're done. And I said, I just kept saying, just tell me why, you know, is it, did I do something? Was there, is, is it more, you know, tell me, tell me, and just tell me so that I can say, A, I'm sorry, or B, didn't realize that, or C, you know, because, you know, there's incidents that happen years and everything all the time. But if somebody's holding on to something and what you thought that maybe you've moved on from, maybe not, you need to know about it. So I just kept saying, why? I said, I, I said, what would, and they just kept telling me they wouldn't tell us. And I said, well, then how am I supposed to sit here and just accept that, but also understand it? They said, we don't know. And I know a handful of people went in to talk with uh, Islanders management um, and they were shut down. No, nope. no, nope. not going to come back. And, and I'm told this is again, now, by the way, I'm being told all of this myself. I mean, I, this is so I guess it's secondhand. Um, I was, you know, told like, is there any way to have a conversation with management? Nope. Don't want to talk to you. I'm like, okay. Um, I did call Gar Snow myself, uh, probably, a uh, month later. I mean, I don't know, maybe even a month and a half, just like, okay, it's done. What's up. Didn't answer the call and didn't call me back. Um, so Listen, um, I don't know exactly what happened. I have, obviously, obviously people there didn't like me. I'm a big boy. I can handle that. I'm sure my style didn't always uh, um, make me, um, they, they weren't maybe always enamored with me. Maybe it was, you know, on, off the air. I, actually, I said to them, did I, did I say something? Did I do something that, you know, that offended you? Did I, whatever, you know, tell me. And if I did, I'll tell you, yeah, I did it. I'm sorry, you know, I, but I still don't know specifically. I, I have my ideas, but when it's all said and done, um, I'm not a big believer in faith, but I kind of think like I'm in a great place. And so maybe it was, you know, I don't, I want to say it was meant to be because, you know, no, who likes to go through shit? Like who does, nobody does, but uh, it, it worked out. The island was an awesome place for me. Being involved with Nesson and the Bruins right now is an awesome place for me. And I hope that it made me a, a better broadcaster. And, you know, um, I definitely, it, it did cause me to have my guard up for a while. I'll, I'll be honest about that because, you know, I'm a believer. And if, look, if I screw up, tell me I screwed up. And then I, then I would move on as a big boy. Okay. But listen, man, not everybody's always going to like everybody in this business, especially. Right, a couple of things. One, I want to clarify for the listeners. I know most know this, but. Um, the way it works, and it worked in this situation, is MSG Network, let's say, is the employer. Uh, they, in this case, they offer you a contract, but, and this still goes on, there's an understanding as a rights holder that the team has, uh, in some cases, some say, maybe in some cases, like the ultimate say, like they have the ability to bless or not bless the hiring of someone. Yep. Right. Uh, Brendan Burke eventually would have had to have been blessed by somebody down who they showed him his tapes. They made the case for Brendan and great choice. So so MSG did not do this. And in this case, I know for sure that it had nothing to do with MSG Network. It had to do with the Islanders. I don't like I'm pushing back on you. This idea, and I know it's out there, like occasionally a fan will tweet it, not necessarily in a bad way, that you were too critical at times or even a couple of times. I wouldn't say you too know, critical. Yeah, I mean, or even critical at all. You know, like 
you sold, you know, after 06, 07 and then the collapse and the new coach, uh, it, there's, a, there's a selling of a rebuild or a retooling that commentators all over the league do, right? Um, and, and that comes with it. You, you talk to the GM or the coach, you, you make the case for, all right, maybe we're not going to be this good this year, but here's the reason why. And here's the reason why it's going to get better. And this was a bad loss, but here are some the things that the, the good takeaways, because the young players are starting to come, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, like, I mean, obviously I was there. I watched, if I, you know, if it was a road game, you want to watch a tape. Like, I'm just, I never had a moment. And certainly I would have heard about it. There was not one time. Howie had a famous moment where he said something where he throws like a commercial. But then that was a mistake and it was an honest thing and funny as all hell. But, <laughs> but the... There was never a moment where Garth or anybody else said, I, I, Jaffe's got to cut it out, or I can't believe it about that one thing he said on the three-hour show last night. So, so I, I don't get any. Well, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they just didn't tell you. I don't know why. Oh, and yeah, I'm not no, saying, no, I'm not saying they didn't, but else I didn't see anything. I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know what? I, for years, I racked my brain. Um, you know, look, I was very fortunate after the Islanders, I picked up a ton of, of versus work and national work and NHL network. And next thing you know, I'm working for Sportsnet in Canada and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting a ton of work up there. And so that was a blessing because it really opened my eyes to other places and other things in other ways. And I'm not getting off the Islanders here. I'm just saying, look, you know, for a while I would wonder, you know, cause I love sitting in the booth doing games. It's my it's my most favorite thing. I love studio because you can get your personality come out and you can break certain things down differently. And it's a look thing and everything, but in game, the reaction, the immediacy of it um, is, is breathtaking for me. It's just phenomenal. And especially the great partner. So I loved it with Howie and I loved the Islanders. And, and, you know, we had new production people then a guy by the name of Jim Dodonna was a wonderful guy too. Um, and so for many when I say many years, I don't know, a couple of years, I would rack my brain and be like, okay, you know, what did I do wrong? And I would like, oh, I did this. Well, I did that. And, oh, you know, did I ever make a mistake here? Sure. Sure. Of course, maybe, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm an open book. I can probably speak my mind on and off the air a little bit too much here and there, but uh, I would always clear the air. I would always have it done. And then when all came, push came to shove and that moment of it, not to get an exact reason, I think that was always the most um, disappointing thing when it's all said and done. It was hard for a couple of years to talk about. Now it's great. It's fine. Um, it is what it is. And you know what you realize? A lot of people go through the same shit in this business, man. Oh, you know? Yeah. Listen, and, and I appreciate you talking about it. And it just so happens I started this podcast about media. It's now a long time ago. And I know you've moved on and you're doing great. So this is the one time we're talking about so i would like to say one last thing. yeah that if so you know what i believe happened is that garth snow perhaps uh because he was very close to charles wong well definitely he was close to charles wong he could make this happen he decided he wanted somebody else in that chair not necessarily even butchie and this isn't about butchie but just somebody else in that chair the thing that no matter what happened even if, even if you did something bad, and I know you did, the thing that is completely fucking gutless, okay, is that your contract doesn't get renewed. It's done. They hire Butchie. You move on. But you ask repeatedly, understandably, as anybody, I don't want to say has the right to. It's not HR. You're not in an office. I mm-hmm. get it. But, okay, it's now done. So... You call Garth, you reach out to other people, you ask the question. The idea that Snow or uh, a, a liaison or somebody couldn't then just come to you and say, here's why it happened. It's done. It, you, we get it. We, the season has started. Right. But the fact that they couldn't even do that is just fucking gutless. Yeah, and, I was... It was disappointed. I agree. Listen, I, I, I appreciate that. And, and, and I, it's sometimes it's hard to, to, to discuss things with somebody. If you, um, if you, uh, if you uh, not going to hurt them, but if it's going to be potentially confrontational, I guess, I guess 
I don't know if anybody loves confrontation. Certain people are better at it than others, though, right? I don't know what it was, man. But at the time, yes, I wish they would have told me, as I've told you three times now, just tell me what I did. I'll admit it if I did it. If it was something, okay, you're right. Sorry about it. But they never told me. So so I just I just had to say, move on. Sometimes in life, you just don't know why. And that's where I just moved on from. I'm, but yes, I, I again, I learned a lesson. Tell people why. It's the simplest thing. Tell them why. And um, but but you know what? They chose not to. And you know, I, I hung around the island uh, for years after. I still worked for MSG uh, for a couple of years, and I was very grateful for that. But I mean, I remember hearing from a few MSG executives. Um, during that time and even after, and they would still be like, yeah, we, we, we still don't have a specific reason why. I'm like, well, oh, well, that's what we, we move on. I'm going to ask this. Uh, we're done with that subject. This, yeah. is, uh, this is now the part of the show where I, I want to make clear to everybody here that I've been blessed personally to work my entire adult life, either for my hometown beloved team for 20 years and in and around hockey and mm -hmm. so have you this was a, a discussion about something that happened and and it, i think it was worth talking through because a lot of people care about it and also i think it's instructive to know how to not be a leader how to not be a manager uh and that's why we talked about it this isn't the fucking wine fest right this <clears> is the, we this is recapping something that happened that people i know are interested in but all that said we wouldn't trade, I, uh, I think I got a couple of years on you, but we wouldn't trade our adult lives and our careers for anything, including uh, my time at the Islanders and yours too. And, yep. and nothing. So I just, you know, it's not just to be like two guys, you know, yeah, let's do guys fucking lying for 10 minutes. No, it's about, <laughs> listen, it, it, it was a, it was a significant uh, event in my career. It was. And, um, it happens, but it was significant. Absolutely. I will never forget that phone call I got in Vancouver, in between morning skate and, you know, the broadcast that night. I'll never forget. I was at a Yankee game. You called me and I was in the upper deck. That's how vivid it is. I didn't remember Charles' safari. I was in the upper deck at the Yankee game. You called me. My knees buckled. I didn't see it coming. I, and I, to a fault, because we were still a pretty small shop. They're now a major, major league franchise under Ledecky and Malkin. Mm -hmm. But we were still, so, you know, I, I knew just about everything going on around there and i was like huh? what huh? you know like so um i you know i know it's after my time but i still was around so yeah, yeah. my life so my last thing for you is we know of your happiness in boston it's really just kind of amazing that you are there it's we it goes back to being a fan that we started the show with um you know, it would, I would think it would only be natural, although maybe not with a young family. There are 32 jobs or so in, in this. Uh, an analyst job only opens up so, so often. A Seattle job opens up, but everybody, you know, Ron Francis got 20, 50, <laughs> 80 men and women after, right? Yeah. Uh, that just used one recent example, right? Like, we get that, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but is that still is the buzz of being that color commentator in the booth at a live game in a non-pandemic world especially is that buzz still there is that something you would look at or, or pursue uh the buzz is still there i still get an absolute gas out of it um there's something about again what i like to always call it is the ability or the necessity the, of, of, of the live event happening and to, and to see it, absorb it and analyze it and have fun with it. That's the other thing, have fun with it. And, and it's just, it's just sport after all, right? There's something about that energy that I love. I still love being on TV, the business of TV. Well, I'm old enough. Be, I'm, I, I sound like that old, you know, guy, get off my lawn guy. Now I'm like, you know, I'm not as enamored with the business, but um, I'm lucky. I work with a great company at Nesson, but, but I'll tell you what, like the business, it isn't anything like it was 20 years ago when I got it. Now, with all that said, your other part of the question, um, would I pursue it? It would really have to be a right opportunity, Chris. And what does that mean? Well, uh, like anybody else who moves in their professional life, um, is it best for your family? 
is it is it a great opportunity not just for you from a from that individual from a uh, what you're doing what you want to do and money and while both of those things are very important um is it going to disappoint your son your daughter your wife is it going to make life harder for them but happier for you that isn't going to be a win-win that's a win-lose right there um i would have to think long and hard about it uh i'm in such a fantastic hockey market in not just boston but new england um the whole you know greater area that it would really have to take something special um to do it um you know i've been involved uh reconnected with by from from networks and teams a couple of times over the years i mean i i, I was thinking about it at the beginning of this season i'm going on my 10th year now doing bruins games I'm like holy shit how did that happen um um and, um, you know, it would, it would take a really good opportunity and, and something that might, you know, Victoria is, my family's awesome, but my kids are older now. We're talking, you know, middle school and high school. And those are, you know, I mean, you remember I brought Julia to that first game and I, and, and I was in the press box and I was holding her on the rail and people were like, what are you doing? You don't put a kid up there. I'm like, I'm, I'm holding her. What you, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but you know, she's a, she's, you know, 14 going on 24 right now. I mean, um, so I, it would be, it would be a hard thing, but my wife, Victoria is incredibly supportive. She's only known me in, in the world of, of the hockey business world. And so she gets it, but I think even for her, it would be hard, I, you know, but listen, um, like, like I said about a player, you don't, you know, sometimes you get traded somewhere or whatever, you get picked up somewhere and you're like, I don't want to, but it becomes a great thing. You got, you keep your eyes and ears open, but. Uh, I'm not actively pursuing anything right now because the market I'm in for, from a pro hockey, college hockey, and the youth hockey element, which is something I'm very supportive and proud of being involved with, is, is, is great here. Yeah, Boston and Minnesota, you know, for America, right? The, the feeling I would get the first time I went into Toronto or in Montreal, right, where hockey matters even more we get how much it means to islanders and rangers and devils fans right but it, it's just on another level there i remember traveling with the islanders and opening up the the, the boston paper and it would be a friday night before our game and there'd be six college games going on yeah <laughs> and women and oh where are, maybe i'll go over to matthews or, yeah know, like what an unbelievable uh culture chris our uh, our ratings here are you know ratings i am ratings are interesting they change you know with the streaming whatever but overall you know the ratings here when things are pretty good to good is like you know most teams would take that on their best days you know an average day you know or a weekday for the Bruins so um obviously that's team driven but when the team is good and it's an interesting product the fans are still phenomenal here and the interest is huge and you know they measure ratings I believe it's up to about 45 miles Isles outside so it doesn't always include Providence which is still a market in other parts of New England and um, it's 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 good and hockey is is incredibly it's just recognized everywhere as as part of it no question the Pats are still the Pats but you know what Bruins are right up there too as far as as far as uh, fandom goes and you also see it and I know you're gonna be like ah yeah but you see it even with a show like Morning Brew with you and Raycroft and that it is a very popular, well listened to show. I have an idea now that I'm in the uh, in the podcast game, and it's two things: it's how much the sport or how much the Bruins mean to people, but also the work that Andrew and, and you do. So uh, you you're right; you, you are probably where you were meant to be. And that, uh, as much as I miss you here uh, and watching you, uh, it's great to see you know how it turned out and how you guys are doing. And I can't believe Julia's 14. <laughs> how are you doing buddy i know we're recording here still are you enjoying your uh your the different chair every, every everything is great when doobie had his poke check i don't know if you remember this but calls uh, my young son mm -hmm. had a uh, cardiac issue yeah and, and Corey and you guys and teddy nolan and all the players made this video for him on a dvd sent it in a little dvd player and sent it to the hospital so very young uh cole could see it cole is now uh, at notre dame so oh my uh, god 
Yeah, so that gives you an idea where, where things are. Good for him. Good <laughs> for him and good for you. Thanks. A lot of fun memories. We had a, we had a lot of good time. I, I uh, One of the other things about the island I remember is I really got indoctrinated into New York-style pizza, which is an important development. Like growing up in Chicago, deep dish is king. And uh, I don't poo-poo pizza ever, but I will tell you, I'm an equal opportunity pizza eater now after spending my time on the island and uh, really enjoying the thin crust there. Um, so uh, it has, and, and uh, uh, just, the, just the people in the island, they were, they were awesome. They were, they, uh, they were really, really good to me and my family. Yeah, no, and it was great that you were there for the end of the Coliseum. And we will continue to see you in this area with uh, NHL Network, another network, and a Bruin series or anything else that comes our way. But this was uh, this was so awesome to catch up and talk through things and learn a lot of uh, things that I didn't know. As always, uh, I can't thank you enough for doing this, Billy. Very happy to do it. Glad to be here, and I appreciate you spending the time with me. Thanks, man. All right, it's producer Pat Boyle. What a fantastic conversation there between Billy Jaffe and Chris Botta. We thank Billy again for being a guest on the podcast. And that'll do it for this episode of Hockey Press Pass. We've got a fresh new episode of Islanders Forecheck coming your way this week. And for all the Hockey Press Pass family, Danny, Ksenia, and of course Chris, I'm Pat saying thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Hockey Press Pass. Hockey Press Pass.